And a very warm welcome to each and every one of you. Glad you could join us again for another edition of the Football Attic Kit Podcast. This is episode number nine. I am Chris Oakley, and uh, it's uh, great to be with you once again. Great as ever to introduce uh, my ever-present co-presenter and uh, football shirt collector extraordinaire, Rich Johnson. Hello, Rich. And it's goodbye from him. Oh, wait, that's the ending, isn't it? Sorry. Hiya, (laughs) it's me again. Sorry. I trust you're well. Uh, I am better. Uh, I was not very well earlier in the week, uh, and I've got a really yeah. itchy toe. Um, so you know that might feature at some point. If if I start like going insane, it's because I'm constantly scratching like, my toe. Scratching. It's it's might be distracted. It's, it's not my little toe. It's the one next to it on my left foot, and it's really it's really really itchy. Really itchy. It's driving <laughs> me insane. So. Uh, now you all know which toe it is, ladies and gentlemen. You can all scratch along at home as you're listening <laughs> and um, get a sense of the discomfort that Rich is currently in. Yeah, exactly. That was an old Harry Hill joke. Um, <laughs> when when Scratch Card first came in, he said, yeah, had a Scratch Card for the other day uh, for the Xmas Society. So it didn't, <laughs> didn't win anything, but it gave you an idea of what it's like to suffer. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, and on that note, we, should, we must move on. <laughs> highly, effect- highly effective. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yes. Well, um, uh, on this uh, podcast, uh, later on, we've got uh, a discussion on uh, another tournament and its kits. We are uh, casting our attentions further afield to the African Cup of Nations. Uh, More of that a bit later on. We've also got another kit-off vote for you, uh, a topical one, you might say, uh, given the point in time at which we're recording this. Uh, But we start off, as ever, with kit news. And uh, still no jingle. One of these days I'll get a jingle. Da-da-da-da-da. Kit news. (laughs) I think that's the McDonald's jingle. (laughs) I was just going to say, yeah, I'm loving it. I'm Um, loving kit news. I'm loving kit. There we go. (laughs) Da-da-da-da-da. I'm loving kit news. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll work on it. Well... To begin with, Rich, as we're recording this, it's probably about less than 12 hours since um, the World Cup qualifier between England and Scotland. And, of course, all the hoo-ha, certainly on Twitter, if not further afield, was uh, about the Scotland away shirt, which, for those of you who still don't know, is a lovely shade of pink. Uh, It's actually a very deep shade of pink. And, um, of course, although the likes of us and you, our dear listeners, will probably have known that Scotland wear a pink away shirt for, for quite some time now. Um, there were a lot of people who didn't know that. And so when this match finally appeared on their TV screens in the UK, shock horror, what is that that Scotland are wearing, etc. That was the general kind of response. So, I mean, just very briefly, because we won't go into this any great length, Rich, but I mean, uh, what first of all, what's your view of the pink shirt? It's all right. I, I, am, a, I am a fan of pink shirts in football, um, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of like kind of almost the luminous pink that, that, um, you, that you tend to find a lot these days. So I'm, I don't think it's great. Um, I don't think it's a particularly brilliant Scotland shirt, but, eh, it's just a pink shirt. It's meh. I, I don't really care. It's just like, that's their away shirt. Just get over it for God's sake. It's just a pink shirt. It's like, I don't know. I think some people still have a big issue about manliness and pink shirts. It's like, mm. oh, can you see them wearing that? That bunch of poofs, as they would say. <laughs> <laughs> no, so well, I well, apologise for the derogatory language. I was obviously imitating a Scotsman who are inherently racist. So I'm joking. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Look, Donald Trump's president. We can say what we want now. It's all coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
There's uh, no holds barred now. Um, <laughs> Actually, I was refer- yeah, I was uh, referencing an old uh, Scottish comedy where uh, it was a Scottish bloke that used to stand over the border and shout "poofs" to all the English. So. Which program was that then? Oh, I can't remember what it was. Oh, it might have been Absolutely. I think it was. It was Jack Doherty. Oh, absolutely. I've got the uh, box set of that, but I digress. Yeah, my let's talk about that instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I fear we can't. We must carry on talking about the Scotland pink shirt. Um, the, I see. Again, I think a bit like like yourself there. Um, it's not a bad shirt. The shade of pink is a bit too deep and dark for my liking, but it's it's okay. But I don't think it's a good fit with Scotland. I think it's quite often you find that um, pink football shirts sort of are better suited towards club teams. I think in certain circumstances, and you know we we have been seeing that cropping up more and more often it's certainly the premier league if not further afield um but it's just that you know in d- discussing it briefly online earlier on while the game was going on it's i mean i would i personally would rather have seen scotland wearing their usual dark blue shirts okay that's that's the 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 base sort of argument here i mean england wear white shirts scotland usually wear dark blue then they weren't allowed to wear their dark blue shirts because of the um uh, amount of white on the sleeves of the current Scotland home shirt. So my view is, if Adidas had reduced or indeed removed the white from the home shirt, then Scotland could have worn their blue at Wembley for the game that took place today, earlier on today, as we're recording this. And um, maybe if they wanted to, if they, if Adidas were insisting on Scotland having a pink shirt, then make it a nice pale shade of pink, and then that could have been a nice away shirt for if if it were required. Um, but instead, they've gone and balls the whole thing up, and they've put too much white on the home. I mean, again, the home shirt—it's okay, but not for Scotland. That's uh, give it to—I don't know—someone, I don't know, Millwall or somebody. Um, you know, somebody that wears a dark blue South End or somebody you know, that wears dark blue. A little bit of white wouldn't have caused too much of a problem because there are these international design laws. That I guess FIFA or UEFA, or whoever it is that that are now bringing in, and you would have thought that somebody like Adidas would have been all over the legislation, but clearly not, and they've buggered everything up, and now everybody's a bit upset. Um, but, I mean, there you go, that's, I mean, that's my view. Um, as it is, excuse me, the um, feedback that I was sort of seeing, I was just having a look, just to kind of uh, get a litmus test, you might say, of what people were thinking of the Scotland shirt, because it seemed to be all one-way traffic. Um, certainly some of the comments I saw said, uh, for instance, I'm not sure which Scotland fans should be more embarrassed about, their team's awful pink shirt or the performance. Um, Scotland the Brave referring to their choice of a pink shirt this evening was another comment I saw and somebody else saying I'm boycotting all Adidas merchandise until Adidas gets that horrid, horrendous pink Scotland Football International shirt rectified which is about the strongest uh, feeling I could find but some people were in favour of it some said I want this pink Scotland shirt I don't see the big deal I think it's smart and somebody saying I like Scotland's pink shirt where can I get it from so it's not all one way of traffic but certainly there's a, a, a considerable degree of animosity and negativity about that shirt, and I can't see it lasting much longer, uh, one way or the other. But there we are. So that's the, that's my take, really, on the on the whole Scotland shirt thing. I I just want to say I really like Scotland's home shirt, the one with the white sleeves. Mm. I know a lot of people have said they don't like the white sleeves, but I really like it. I think it's something a bit different, and I love the. I just I think it provides a really nice contrast to it. So. 
I like it. But at the same time, in terms of the England match, the ironic thing is that England don't have white white shoulders. <laughs> They've got like, <laughs> yeah. big, like light blue ones. So blue ones. I, th- everybody knows there wouldn't have been a bloody colour clash. Everyone would have been able to see who was on the pitch. Hmm. Um, I mean, if anything, just by where the goals were being scored, for one thing. So... <laughs> <laughs> As, oh, I, as no. I tweeted last night, a picture of Mel Gibson in Braveheart with the words "freedom." <laughs> oh, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't get past the first round again. <laughs> da, da. And the next word is. The next word is thrashing. Second round, and it's uh, for not familiar to any of you Scotland fans. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I like, I like the, again, like you said, I like the Scotland home shirt and the white sleeves fine. It's just that as France discovered in Euro 2016, you know, you've got this thing about having different coloured sleeves to the body of the shirt and it, and you can't really have that, blah, blah, blah. Um, so just for international football, you would uh, have thought that Adidas would have sort of gone, sorry, we were going to give you white sleeves, but we can't really, so it's going to have to be something else and, and they haven't. Uh, so points deducted for Adidas. Anyway. Speaking of Adidas, we move on to some rather better uh, offerings uh, on their part. Rich, um, we've seen a couple of um, previews of Confederations Cup shirts coming out, and um, the first of which we're going to discuss was mentioned on the last podcast, wasn't it? It was indeed, yes, because we we had a preview last week of the uh, sorry, not last week, last time of the Germany home shirt that they'll be wearing in the 2017 Confeder- Confederation Cup, um, and I loved it uh, because it's like a plain white shirt with it's very sort of reminiscent of their. 86 um, shirt that they had with the trim on the collar, and it's a V-neck, which is even better. Um, however, uh, subsequent pictures have revealed that not only is it a gorgeous shirt, but it also has a very subtle shadow pattern on it based on the 1990 Away shirt, uh, or obviously mm-hmm. the Holland 88 pattern. And that is rather damn smart. Um, and I really like it. Yes. It's nice. It's a it's a very pale grey uh, pattern, shall we say, on a white, on the white background of the shirt. And um, yeah, we couldn't see that on the leaked pictures that we were talking about on the last podcast, but um, we can see it all the better now, and uh, just adds even more value to the shirt, really, in a in a general sort of aesthetic sense. Very in- nice indeed. Indeed. However, that might be trumped by the latest reveal from the Confederations Cup, which is Russia's home shirt. I was about to say, how can Russia eat? And they realised because they're hosting it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's just, yeah, that's just like sudden, like, think of like, what are Russia doing in there? Oh, yeah, they're hosting <laughs> it. So, well, <clears throat> apparently, you know. Um, but yes, yeah, so Russia's, uh, I think there was rumours of this last year at some point, because I remember it coming, I remember discussing this, because I remember trying to find the original inspiration for it. But basically, the Russia one is based on one they did wear, for, I think it was for a very short period of time in the 80s. Because actually trying Early to find 80s, a picture yeah. of it, yeah, it's, it's quite difficult. Um, and mm. it's basically a zigzag pattern, uh, running d- um, like a kind of up and down zigzag pattern. I'm not describing that very well. Go and look it up, it looks great. Um, and it's, it's a very sort of bright red. Um, and the only thing missing, I think someone pointed out the other day, the only thing missing really is the CCCP lettering across the front. That would be perfect. But... Um, it would also be not. inappropriate. Yeah, it would uh, be inappropriate. Well, give it a give it. By the time the World Cup rolls around, it might not be. <laughs> they might have put that whole thing back together again. <laughs> Get the old gang back together again. <laughs> yeah, um, a reunion tour. <laughs> First farewell a tour of the old so- Soviet. Soviet. The Soviet reunion. Ha <laughs> ha! Hey, there you go. Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, anyway, <laughs> pish and tush. Um, 
Yes, well, of course I was saying. That. Oh, yeah. So the color of red. I mean, like it's actually. I think uh, FootyHeadlines.com uh, describes it as scarlet. That's the official color, which is the bright red that the Soviet Union used to wear. And um, I, for one, am absolutely delighted about that because that's obviously the color the old Soviet Union used to wear. Not that this is the Soviet Union. Just want to stress that again because <laughs> people in in Russia do get a little bit tetchy about that. I'll when say, it, I think ig- in Putin's ignorant... mind it is <clears throat> ignorant. Um, British people who can't tell the difference between Soviet Union and Russia, um, but um, but yeah, it's lovely and it's got a simple white ring neck collar, uh, solid white cuffs in the old style. I think it just looks fantastic, and it it just confirms that thing again, which we've probably said already countless times on this podcast, which is that if you're going to do retro, you've got to do it right to make it work, and they've absolutely hit the nail squarely on the head with this. So that's. It's just superb. Um, one thing that caught me out, though, Rich, was I was sort of thinking, oh, yes, all these uh, Confederations Cup shirts that are coming out, that's because the tournament starts next month or the month after. And it doesn't, because I checked, and it starts in June 2017. I was getting confused with the um, like the Club World Cup or whatever it's called, which is always at the end of the year. And, but that then begs the question, why are they launching these shirts like eight months in advance? I don't, I don't quite yeah, understand. Yeah, well, the, the funny thing is, I'm sure Germany have actually played in that. Shirt. I, I was I just saw, going to say that exact point, yes. Because I saw They've a picture of it. Yeah, exactly. So it's not really the Confederations Cup shirt, is it? Because normally the Confederations Cup shirts are literally just worn at the Confederations Cup. And they're usually yeah. something, com- uh, to be honest, they're usually something quite different. Because I think um, Italy, mm. uh, I think who've had That's the best right. one ever, had a, a very, very light blue one. Uh, which they combined with brown shorts, um, mm. and that was a gorgeous kit. And I loved the that was a very retro looking shirt. And then Spain, I think, for the same tournament had a kind of a thing with a, a sort of very distinct design, sort of like flashing down the the sort of sort of going from one side of the neck to the other side of the chest and then back again. And it was right. again, but it was only worn for the Confederations Cup. So. I don't know, it just seems a bit odd. And to be honest, though, that Russia shirt, if they are just wearing it for the Confederations Cup, it's a bit of a shame. Although it makes it makes me wonder what they'll do for the World Cup then. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just sort of... I'm just a bit unsure about it. I mean, I think, I say, Germany wore that wore their new shirt uh, for the World Cup qualifier they've just played again in the last 24 hours against San Marino. I think that's where they've sort of worn it. But, um, yeah, whether I'm not sure if Russia are going to be wearing it I suppose they've got no qualifiers have they really so um, yeah anyway um, but um, yes so basically the Confederations Cup not until uh, the middle of 2017 and uh, the other teams that have qualified for that just in case you don't know are Portugal as European champions New Zealand laughably as uh, OFC champions uh, Mexico CONCACAF champions Chile uh, Copa America winners uh, Australia as well the uh, Asian uh, champions and also the African champions who we don't know yet because the uh, African Cup of Nations uh, will be taking place uh, January, is that? I mean, again, I'm a bit hazy on the dates of this, but um, anyway. So uh, doubtless there will be uh, more kits to come from the other qualified countries in the uh, in the coming weeks and months. So we'll be all across that whenever uh, they are released. We'll tell you more about that uh, in due course. One thing um, I'd just anyway. like to say, actually, so I was going to say one yes. thing I'd just like to say is the fact that because they're releasing all these shirts now, so you've got a raft of kind of like retro shirts, which are clearly going to be popular with the fans, but you've got a World Cup coming up in 18 mm. months' time, by which point all these shirts will have disappeared. 
And it yes. just seems to me a bit of a waste opportunity where you could have some real fan favorite kits and not release them for the World Cup. I mean, I, I mm. kind of suppose at the World Cup you'll see whatever their latest sort of template is. So they'll want to showcase that. But it just seems a shame to sort of relegate these uh, tribute shirts, I suppose is what they are, and, and mm. to just a sort of what is ultimately a forgotten tournament. Because who the hell ever remembers Confederations Cup <laughs> tournaments? You know, some some of the kits might stand out from them, in my mind, but no one else's. But but who <laughs> the hell remembers the Confederations Cup? Who who even remembers that it exists? You know, except me, because yeah. I like the kits. So it just seems a bit of a shame, really. But I, like I said, I guess they'll be wanting to showcase their latest dull template instead. Well, this is it. Yes. Now, I saw a comment along those lines um, uh, on, I think it was Footy Headlines earlier on, saying, you know, what a pity that this new uh, Russia home show probably won't get seen in the World Cup. It will have been replaced by the time that comes along, which is uh, quite right. So never mind. We'll enjoy it while it lasts, I suppose. And um, yes, I was quite right. I've just checked uh, African Cup of Nations January 2017. So there you go. Uh, speaking of Africa, um, more kit news. Um, uh, Nike have released a new, uh, n- another variation on their vaporware template for South Africa. Uh, as you'd expect, yellow shirts, green shorts, uh, I think it's yellow socks, uh, but it's basically as you were as far as the old vaporware template's concerned. Smart, but of course on this occasion, uh, instead of having the shirt and shorts the same colour, uh, with socks in a, in a different colour, with South Africa, they've gone yellow shirts, green shorts. So a bit of a break, a bit like they did with uh, Brazil, I want to say. I suppose that's right, isn't it? Yeah, yellow shirts, yeah. blue shorts. Um, but other than that, not much report. Yeah, uh, nothing to see here. Move along. Uh, what else <laughs> have we got in the in the say, news basket? I think, I think the nothing to see here, move along, is, is perfectly sums up that South Africa kit. It's, it's <laughs> very dull. Yes, yes. Also dull is um, from <laughs> from Adidas. Uh, there's a series of things called Parley shirts. Now, I, I was, what the hell is this? Right, so I'm just going to read the blurb that comes with it, okay? <clears throat> Inspired by Bayern's red home shirt, because this is Bayern Munich. I think Real Madrid have got one as well. So it says, the Adidas Parley Bayern Munich kit is entirely red and features only subtle logos on the front, dyed using water-based paint and an environmental-friendly process. That should be environmentally-friendly process. But anyway, moving on. Um, an Adidas... Uh, Adidas, for God's sake. Adidas <laughs> Parley label... Uh, sorry, an Adidas X Parley label with an integrated NFC chip that allows fans to learn more about the partnership is visible on the hem of all the all-red Adidas Bayern Munich Parley shirt. Additionally, a back now, blah, 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 and stuff. So basically, it's uh, if you look at them... They are a kit with what looks to be very, very faded logos on. So, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, I said this to Chris before, if that's the best they can do using these water-based environmentally friendly inks, then bring back dolphin-killing ink. That's what I say. <laughs> Burn the trees to make good shirts. Sod the environment, because it looks terrible. <laughs> Uh, the funny thing is, I mean, this one, it just looks washed out. That's, it's it's alright. I mean, I, I like the idea behind it, to be honest. I'm just joking, obviously. Um, and I like <laughs> the idea they've used the sort of faded thing, because the whole point is especially like minimal and little impact and stuff. But on the Real Madrid one, you can hardly see it at all. It's just, it's like a plain white shirt with a very, very sort of subtle grey um, printing in that. But it, it just looks faded. That's, that's what annoys mm. me. It looks like... It actually looks like they've had uh, it all on there, and then someone's torn it off, and it's just what's been left behind. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, if people so, want to so go I mean, for that. Just to uh, confirm then, so these are actual 
shirts match shirts. I believe but... they are. Yeah, in fact, because I actually saw one on in a in a Facebook like match worn um, sales group, and someone's actually already got one of these for sale. And someone commented that was quick because I think they only hmm. wore them at the weekend or something. Yeah. I don't. I don't think they're. It's for all season. I think it's probably one of these like one offs. Yeah, because it looks they the Bayern Munich one that we're looking at on our screens now, uh, which is pretty much <clears throat> almost entirely red. Um, it looks a bit like a training shirt, but it's. I've just seen what this parley thing is. I, I wasn't sure if it's just somebody misspelled parsley. I thought maybe it was some kind of herb-based kind of production technique. Um, the, amongst this kind of marketing blurb, it says, uh, additionally, a back neck tape with parley's For the Oceans tag is also prominently featured in the special edition Bayern Munich parley kit. And when I saw For the Oceans, I remembered this story that came out, I think, earlier on this week, which is about the fact that they're now making shirts from basically recovered plastic from the oceans, you know, where everybody's throwing their plastic carrier bags away and, and stuff like that. So that's that's what it is. I've just realised what this parley is. So if they got bits of dolphin beak in them or something, because dolphins have beaks before anyone can, you know, argues with that. Dolphins definitely have beaks. <laughs> <laughs> So and I'm just sort of thinking maybe they've got sort of like if you look on the inside of the tag, it's got a bit of a Tesco's receipt still stuck in it, where it's like somebody's old you know carrier bag. And so the, the sleeves are just made of can rings. <laughs> yes, yeah. there's 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 an idea for the future. Um, so anyway, so all these all these parley um, all these parley shirts and kits and things are coming out. So um, if you're interested, then that's good, lovely, well done. Um, <laughs> Another special edition shirt, Rich, uh, the FC Cologne Carnival shirt. Indeed. Tell the listeners about that one. Uh, yes, apparently the, the Bundesliga club are enjoying a, a tremendously successful start. It's still young season today uh, and, and continued its ritual of unveiling a special edition kit to celebrate the carnival season because they've done this a few years. So, and it says <laughs> um, the uh, this year's carnival jersey is called the well, I, I'm assuming that's Fast Lovend jersey, but it looks like Fast Lovend to me. But that's just <laughs> my, my juvenile brain. Um, so, yes, it says it, the carnival shirt combines the club's traditional white and red colours with several symbols related to the city of Cologne and its carnival tradition. It's quite nice. I'm, I'm not a massive fan of, uh, of Cologne shirts. They just don't know. The colours just don't appeal to me. It's kind of like a muted red and a sort of orange colour or amber or whatever it is that wolves wear, you know, <laughs> orange. Um <laughs> And and it's just it's 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 nice, but it just doesn't. Given that it's a limited edition show, it should excite me, but it just doesn't. I like the symbolism on it and and everything. It's just eh, it just leaves me a bit cold. Chris, yeah, it's got a. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say it's got a sort of silhouetted um, image on the left hand <coughs> side of the shirt of um, a Cologne Cathedral, which is beautiful. I've been to Cologne, lovely city. Uh, we should all go. And um, on the right-hand side, you've got this kind of um, jester's hat, you know, like a sort of court jester's hat, which is obviously tying in with the whole carnival thing. And so nice, and you can sort of see the coat of arms of the city in the middle, and then also sort of as a shadow pattern in the background. But um, other than that, it looks, because it's made by Erima, and Erima once upon a time used to do the West Germany kits back in the 70s before Adidas sort of took them over and bought them out and stuff. And... I always associate Erima kits with looking a bit sort of old-fashioned from a sort of 70s point of view. And there is a certain element of that, I think, in this shirt. I mean, it's, it's okay, um, but it doesn't quite have that sort of sheen of class that you see on other kits that, you know, by Nike or Adidas or whatever. I mean, it's okay. Um, it's perhaps an acquired taste. 
And if you're a Cologne fan, you probably love it. So, I mean, you know, who am I to argue? Um, anyway, um, speaking of Nike, breaking news as we were about to record this, Rich. Mm, apparently, France are set to stop using Nike for their kits. Oh, I said Nike. I meant to say Nike, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, and apparently, Adidas and Under Armour are reportedly interested. This is from Footy Headlines. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, that's a shame, I think, because apart from the latest Vaporware shirt, which... I uh, I, I like in a lot of cases, but France's I really don't. Um, except for their away, that's nice. Um, uh, I, that's a shame because I think Nike have done a lot of really good, nice kits with France, and I think they breathe new life into them where they were needed. I really mm. hope Adidas don't take over again because I can't stand to mm. see another '84 ripoff. Uh, and <laughs> I just know that would be their first shirt they'd do, and I would, I will. I, I don't know. I'll have to go and kill Jay if they do that. <laughs> Just because he likes oh, come on, Rich. It's, it's got to be at least five years since they've had a 1984 tribute kit. I mean, it must be time for another one. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the last time Adidas were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, there you <laughs> oh, go. God, please, no. Uh, but Under Armour would be an interesting one because at least it's somewhat hmm. different. But I'm not a massive fan of Under Armour kits, to be honest. I don't think, I don't know. They just don't look right to me. They look a bit weird you know you have like you kind of a bit like um like macron kits when they first turn mm-hmm. just look a bit like wrong um maybe yeah. they'll get it together eventually i don't know <laughs> i just i don't know why it's only just occurred to me that under armor is only sort of three letters away from underarm which is kind of it's got slight kind of sweaty overtones but it's just <laughs> an observation on my part uh, and i won't be getting any freebies from them um uh, i probably wasn't anyway um, and the last bit of um, kit news is not even um, shirt-related or anything like that. We've, we've got, for the first time in our ninth episode, we can talk about a new badge, Rich. Who's got the new badge? It's Brentford. Um, and it, it's... Uh, what was that? That's right. I was just kind of... I was, kind of, was going to do a big kind of uh, a wooger kind of foghorn <laughs> thing and then thought better of it and decided not to. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Uh, that's all right. Um, so yes, Brentford have a new badge, um, and it's it's loosely based on the crest they had from seventy two to seventy five, and the nineteen sixties Brentford Supporters Club badge. Because this is the funny thing: was, there was someone saying on a Facebook group yesterday, they said, "Oh, you know, um, clubs should never change their their colours or their logos or anything." And it's like, well, actually, this is based on an old one. And not only that, when you look at the article that Brentford have written themselves, they've changed it about ten times. So it's just like they can change it. And I think it's really nice. I really like it. Hmm. I think it's it's a very... I hate to use the phrase, but it's a very strong brand identity, um, which, I mean, if you actually compare it with the old badge they're replacing, I think this is much nicer. Um, I yeah. like the old Brentford badge. It was basically a shield with four different elements to it, like a quartered shield, which had a B on it. Um, and also, I think stripes and oh, I can't remember. I think it was like a coat of arms or something, or, or some other mm. symbol of Brentfordness. Um, but I think <laughs> this is really good. I mean, Brentford are known as the Bees, so it's it's a very strong identity. And actually, I think it's I, I think it's an actually nice badge as well. It's just, it's not like you know like Bournemouth when they rebranded theirs and had that stupid floating head and a football, you know. Uh, this is actually, it, it's a really nice mix, I think, of tradition and modern, because the actual B, yeah. if you look at it, the way it's been drawn is kind of very angular, so it'll be easy to, 
Um, I, I can't remember who made the point. Um, someone made the point. It might have been Dennis Hurley actually. Uh, that it's it's very scalable for social media. So obviously, yeah. and that's that is a, a big thing these days. You know, much as people probably won't traditionalists probably won't like it. I'm sorry, but you know, your club has a social media presence, and in fact, most of its presence is probably online. So it, these mm. things need to be scalable. Um, and I think it works really well. It's it. I I really like it. But the actual the style of it is actually quite traditional looking as well. Yep, absolutely. I like it too. Um, yeah, I think as the as Brentford uh, have said themselves, Brentford Football Club have said, um, we all recognise the old crest wasn't really fit for purpose in a digital age where impact has to be instant, and that's part of the reason we've changed. I mean, that's the kind of the line that all clubs basically say these days when they change their badge, and you can understand why it has got to be crisp and clear, and you know it's going to appear on t on um, on I was going to say TV screens. Well, I suppose it has, but uh, but you know on computer screens and mobile phones and all that, it's got to be nice and unambiguous and I think they've done a terrific job um, as it is I think a lot of people um, certainly the popular press and I use that term quite wrongly uh, <laughs> think that the bee looks like a wasp like as if anybody studied what a wasp looks like um, I mean there's again lots of uh, comments on Twitter for instance um, uh, somebody saying oh 10,000 sorry 100,000 times better than the previous one somebody saying Boddington's which is a reference to the beer brand um, nice design, shame it's a wasp, not a bee. Um, whereas other people are a bit more prosaic, so saying if it's stitched, it'll add some depth. If it's a stick on badge, it'll probably look really tacky. Some people just went for bee jokes, basically. The first one was, that I sort of saw was a high five to the designer. Uh, somebody said could be worse, and the, the last one I found was unbelievable. But, and you can pretty much tell, you know, how, how worse the gags got after that. Oh, um, yes. But I mean, all right, it might not be a sort of bumblebee sort of motif that they've used, but it's, but it is a, I mean, you're not going to look at it and say it's a mosquito, are you? So I, mean, well, I hope not. <laughs> it, you see, and it is a bee. So that's, that's all there is. So, and not only that, Brentford fans, but you know, a lot of us, some of us, you know, have, have actually seen their own clubs being given really terrible badges. So I don't see why you should have to miss out, right? So if you think it's terrible, <laughs> join the club. Right. I, to be honest, I actually think, given the amount of times that clubs do change their badges and and seem to get it wrong, because I mean, I, I, I still have an issue with the Arsenal badge because it looks <laughs> cack. You know, it looks like a cartoon. Um, and and so many clubs these days, like when when Everton tried to do their new badge. Yeah, for whatever reasons, it did look tacky and cartoon-like, you know. But I think this is really nice. I think I think they've yeah. managed to pull it off perfectly. They've kept the identity. They've kept the sort of traditional look because the the font that's used on it is really kind of like a very traditional font, and it's a nice, simple, plain badge. But it just really works. I think I absolutely hats off to Brentford. Mm. I think it's brilliant. So yeah. anyone that doesn't like it. It disagrees off. with me. Yeah, bah, very old castle, very old. Sorry, what can I tell you? Um, it also looks good if it's just all done in one colour as well. There's like a, a monochrome version, which is either like, all the detail in the badge is, say, all black, or it's all white to go on a, a dark coloured background. It looks, it looks good even like that. So it's brilliant. And uh, there's something about a round badge as well. It's, mm. it's done right, lovely. And I've done it. I think they've done a terrific job. So 
All good. Well done, Brentford. So um, there we go. That wraps up uh, kit news for this episode. And so therefore we now turn our attention towards our usual surveillance of a uh, former tournament. It tends to be a tournament or a competition of some sort. And we look at the kits that were worn within it and where we, in the past we've focused on uh, World Cups and uh, European Championships and that sort of thing. For the first time, we are setting our sights on Africa. And uh, basically we thought we'd go back to the 2006 Africa Cup of Nations, not 2016, as I've just realised I've typed up on the agenda. So 2006, we're going back 10 years to the 2006 Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, and there's a reason why this is. It's because of a purchase you made recently, isn't it, Rich? It is, uh, because I recently bought the Cameroon onesie, um, which I think <laughs> I mentioned on the last uh, podcast. But um, I, So I did actually say to Chris last time it would be really cool to do an, Af- an AFCON uh, tournament, but we didn't have time to actually put it all together before the last one, so we kind of winged it into the FA Cup finals because that's dead easy to research. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, yeah. thankfully Chris has spent a lot of time uh, whopping these together. I don't think whopping is the correct, <laughs> the correct term there. Whop your wad yeah. on the counter. Um, mm-hmm. Nice late 80s reference there. I was just going <laughs> to say. We're, we're contemporary, if nothing else. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we, we shall now be covering that. And and having already glanced at most of them, uh, yeah, dull. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nike, well, Nike will wear it. And this is the time when Nike had one of their worst ever templates. So mm. don't expect well, a lot of praise from me. It was, I think it was early 2006 when the tournament took place. So therefore, the African countries that were taking part in the Cup of Nations that were also in the World Cup, well, you'd have seen the same kits in that World Cup the following, you know, later on in the same year. But so some of these kits you will probably remember quite readily. But there were some teams in this tournament that um, if you're, let's say, of a, if, you're, if you're British or American or whatever, you may uh, not uh, be too familiar with there was uh, Guinea. Guinea were in this uh, tournament. Um, Mo- uh, not Mozambique. Uh, I was going to say Zimbabwe. I should say, bigger pardon. Uh, Zimbabwe were in this tournament as well. Um, and uh, Zambia is a team that uh, obviously is yet to qualify for a World Cup. So there were a few teams that were an, an unknown quantity, you might say. Um, but uh, we're going to go through all of them, and of course we're going to look at the, the kit that Cameroon uh, did wear in the uh, in the tournament. Um, first things to basically inform you about with regards to the tournament is that uh, it was essentially 16 teams, four groups of four, and the hosts of the 2006 African Cup of Nations were Egypt, and the champions coming into the tournament were Tunisia from two years previous. So both of those teams obviously were in it. And um, we'll, we'll come to the sort of manufacturers, the, the, the breakdown of how many manufacturers there were and how many kits they made uh, shortly Except, just the first thing to say, I guess, Rich, is that um, Puma have always had a strong connection with African countries, and eight of the 16 teams were wearing Puma in this uh, in this tournament, and pretty much the same template in each case. What was your view of it in general? Um, I can't remember if the 2000... Was this the one where they actually had all the prints on? Or that, was that the World Cup that, that followed? Because they, they, they tend to do that. Um, it's a fairly plain template. Let me just expand one of these. Sorry. I think it was the same, pretty much the same template that you saw in the World Cup later that year, I think. Yeah, I'm trying socks. to see if they actually had prints on them, because normally what Puma would do is kind of give them all 
the same shirt, like Chris said, but they'd have a uh, country-specific print on it, which they mm. tend to do now. And I think they did, because looking at the Cameroon one, it looks like the one that had the sort of giant um, shadow print of their crest, the, the lion crest. Because obviously Cameroon mm. have two different crests on their shirts. Um, and I think, where is this, that Ivory Coast I'm looking at? Côte d'Ivoire, if uh, mm-hmm. I'm Jay. I think they have the elephant one on there. So I, I remember seeing them at the time. I think I probably saw them when, like you said, when it was the World Cup. And I've always liked Puma's kits like this. They always seem to sort of just not put too much detail onto the shirt itself. So the shirts are usually sort of fairly plain or, you know, kind of not dull, but usually kind of there's not much. They don't overdo the shirt design itself. And then mm. they let the actual shadow print or whatever, however they've chosen to do it. I think a couple of years ago they had um, like um, what's it like? Um, what would you call it? Like geometric patterns um, for mm. a lot of them, um, and they sort of pick a theme and they let that sort of be the unique um, feature of it. Obviously, apart from the color, obviously. Um, yeah. And I, I just really like it. I think this the particular shirts in themselves are fairly dull but simple. It's just mm-hmm. a sort of plain shirt with a contrasting trim on the cuffs. The neck's the same colour. But again, they've all got the little prints that make them unique. And I just like I think it's a really nice touch. Yeah. Um, and the socks as well. I think um, what's interesting about the socks is that they all have <clears throat> this kind of broad um, vertical band going down the front of the socks, which tapers slightly. And it's difficult to do anything vertical with socks, really, because obviously in the past you've had hoops on socks and stuff like that. But verticals are, I think, difficult to do. And this was a good way of doing it, just having a single broad stripe down the front, uh, which added a little bit of colour and interest to the socks. And um, and that was common to, to all the Puma kits as well. Um, and, I mean, just to kind of go through then in, in just sort of assessing all the teams, I mean, starting off with the hosts Egypt, they only ever wore their home kit throughout this tournament, which was basically red shirts, white shorts, white socks, and that was a Puma kit. Um, and I think the sort of band on the front of the socks was black in their case. So, um, but that was quite smart. Um, but again, as Rich said, very plain. That's the thing. There was, I think there was definitely, Rich, a, a period in time kit-wise where there was this kind of um, uh, less is more uh, school of, of kit design really there were get a, a number of manufacturers i think were subscribing to this whole approach of not putting too many flashes and motifs all over the shirts and, and stuff they're keeping it very plain and simple but i think generally speaking the puma kits look terrific if a little sort of i was going to say dull that's kind of unfair in a way but it, they, they look smart anyway for all their simplicity I think so, that's the thing. From from a distance, they look a bit dull because you can't see the shadow prints too mm. well on them. So they all just look like plain shirts. But I think when you see them up close and you see the shadow print on them, I think they, like I say, it just adds that nice little touch. I was going to say, in yeah. contrast to that, um, Adidas were the king of shit templates <laughs> in the mid the mid noughties, as I hate calling it. Um, and and they seem to have several different templates going on at this tournament. Looking yeah. through. Um, there's, I mean, because you've got where are they? Uh, Libya wearing uh, one of the worst Adidas templates I've ever seen, um, <laughs> which is kind of this. I don't know. It looks almost like a giant flattened M going across the top. I can't actually work out though if that is a template that other people are using and it's just the angle of the shirt. I don't think it is. Well, because then when you was... go down to, sorry, go on. 
No, I was just going to say, if when we come to South Africa, you may find that that's, they've got a variation on it. It's not exactly the same, but yeah. it's kind of loosely based on that. Yeah, it is, yeah. But then if you go to Nigeria, they've got a completely different Adidas template. They've got the <laughs> one that Jay really likes. Um, I think, no, it's not, actually. It's the, it's the because I think Jay likes the one that's the non-symmetrical version. Um, this is yeah. the the one which has got the flashes on the on the sleeves, and then the kind. I think Argentina had this at the World Cup. Yeah, away and shirt. Germany and France. Yeah, and it's yeah, I the never same liked as... that awful kit. Um, so mm. Adidas, yeah, I really didn't. I, Adidas in the mid noughties I, I hated most of their templates because they were just. It was the way that things were going. It kind of reminds me of the Umbro two thousand and eight England shirt, where it was literally getting to the point where they were just putting you know, flashes here and there for the sake of it and just trying to make templates. It's like like they were bored and just couldn't actually think of anything original. So just kept adding flashes everywhere. And I'm I'm not a massive fan of the night templates either. (laughs) What do you think? I mean, one thing I was just going to say is I actually quite like it when a manufacturer in a tournament like this will have maybe two or even three different templates on the go rather than having one stock standard template, which all of their teams get. (coughs) I like the fact that they've got a bit of variation. It shows that their designers are capable of doing more than one sort of look at a time. I mean, what's your view on all that? Oh, I agree. It's nice to have different ones because I think one of my big bugbears of the 94 World Cup was uh, the fact that Adidas, (laughs) almost all the teams wearing Adidas, had that one template, which unfortunately I didn't like. I think that my issue is, is that all of Adidas's templates that were here were awful. It's like, I don't mm-hmm. mind there being several different templates. I mean, generally at a tournament, I think Puma are about the only people at the AFCON that can actually get away with having that one shirt approach. But that's because it's mm. been done like that. It's not like they've just got a bunch of team wearing different colours. They've all been designed to be the same, but different. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, a, it's, a, it's, it's done as a collective thing whereas adidas is just like there's a couple of teams wearing different team wear templates and and the same with the nike ones so i don't mind it's just that i really don't like those particular templates they had um Mm -hmm. one one interesting thing to note i've just realized actually is um angola have actually got they're the only puma shirt wearing (laughs) team that don't have just an all white uh, sorry an all plain shirt because they've actually got their stripes on yeah yeah, they're sort of horizontal bands. Um, basically, the Angola home shirt, red, uh, and then these kind of black and yellow bands flashing across. But then I think they've ha- actually had that. I'm not, I wouldn't call myself an expert on Angolan shirts uh, for the national team down the years, but I've seen other pictures from further back in time of Angola, and they, it seems to be a continuing motif that they have of these yeah. horizontal bands. So they've kind of, it wasn't just a kind of yeah two thousands kind of look it was something that I think they've even had going back to maybe the nineties or even the eighties I'm not sure I can't remember when the photo was that uh, I no saw, no but, uh, I think you're right, and I think that's probably why they are the only team there with that because obviously it's a very strong part of their um kit identity, yeah, and the away kit um was all white with um red, yellow, and black horizontal bands on the shirt, and also across the right leg, the bottom of the right leg of the shorts as well, rather interestingly. Uh, but uh, quite nice, I think, those Angola ones. Um, again, back to Adidas. Um, out of the 16 teams, Adidas only had three teams uh, that they were doing kits for, which is not many, really, if you think about it. But um, as I say, given that eight of them were Puma, I suppose there, wasn't, there weren't many left. Um, but the three teams Adidas had were Libya, South Africa, and Nigeria. And as you say, Rich, the Libya kit was all a nice sort of dark green kit, but um, lots of white kind of funny 
panels and things going across the shoulders and stuff. The away kit are very plain white. Um, so nice colours, but the again, we come back to this thing again about the home and the, the away shirt, sorry, the home and the away kits having the same template and just kind of transposing colours. Um, which we've mentioned before, I'm, I'm sure, Libya didn't have that. They seemed to have one template for home and one for away, which is kind of, all right, it's not, the, you know, the world will continue to turn, but um, it would have been nice to have seen a sort of standardisation therein, but there we are. Um, so yeah, that was theirs. I think also because they're, they're two completely different team wear templates, so neither of them really mm. bespoke to the country. It's just they're both team wear, so it almost looks like they've done it really piecemeal. It's like they've just rocked up with two completely different random kits. Yeah, um, quite. And the South Africa kit, um, home kit was yellow, yellow shirts, and they're also going through that period. Maybe this was near the start of it, where they the shade of green that they had on the home kit was like a very pale shade of green, actually, which I was never hugely fond of, and yet it does seem to work quite well with this sort of sunshine yellow on the South Africa kit. Um, yellow socks, and again this kind of um, curved line, if you like, that goes across the shoulders, up below the neckline, and down the sides of the shirts. Uh, and then their away kit, I think, was better. It was all white, and it had the same the same motifs again, but this time a sort of yellow and green curved line that was sort of going around around the shirt. So um, not bad. I'm not wasn't particularly fond of the South Africa home shirt, uh, home kit, I should say, on that one. And then, as uh, Rich said, the Nigeria kit was basically the same template that the likes of France and Germany were wearing in the 2006 World Cup that year. But in Nigeria's case, a sort of grass green kind of colour with white flashes and Adidas stripes all over the place. And yeah, not uh, not one of their best, I would say. Um, so elsewhere, we've done Puma. And of course, it goes without saying... Uh, Ivory Coast's kit was all orange with some green trim. Um, and what else we got? Togo. Togo are in this competition. I quite like their kits, Togo. Um, they have been in one World Cup, and they was it 2006? I think it was, I yeah. Say. yeah. Uh, so the same year. Uh, yeah, home kit, yellow shirts, green shorts, and white socks, which is an interesting sort of combo, really. And the away kit uh, had a green shirts and white Shorts and socks. Again, just nice, nice kind of combination of colours there for home and away. It worked pretty well. Uh, Tunisia's kit was all white, and Ghana's home kit was all white, and their away kit, which I really like, is all black. Um, mm. I'm trying to remember if, I, if that appeared in the World Cup that year or not, but if it, either way, I just think that black looked really strong, very sort of stunning, that. Uh, very nice indeed. And Senegal. All white home kit. I think I'm right in saying. Do they play in white at home or do they, it's green, isn't it? At home. I think they're. I think home kit. Yeah, I think green is their home. Yeah. Sorry, I got those the wrong way around. So green shirts, green shorts, and yellow socks at home, and an all white away kit. Um, all good. Um, but there were some other manufacturers as well that were involved in this tournament. Some of them better known than others, and uh, amongst the sort of non Puma and Adidas uh, uh, options, you might say. Two teams wore a kit made by Airness. Now, Rich, the only sort of way I know of Airness is oh, going back, I don't know how many years now, five or ten years when I was regularly blogging um, and blogging about all kinds of football stuff, not just nostalgia. Um, there was a period when I was getting into French football. I just thought I'd, I'm going to see if I can get across Ligue 1 and uh, not be an expert necessarily, but be a bit better informed so I could write about it. And I remember Auxerre 
in the uh, French top flight, they always used to uh, have ANS kits. And I think there was one or two other teams as well, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. But anyway, in this tournament, Dr. Congo, our old friend from the last <laughs> podcast, DR Congo, they had an ANS kit. And the other one, I think I'm right in saying, was Guinea. Yep. And Guinea's kit. Where should we start with Guinea? I, I want to be churlish and say, hey, Rich, describe this one for the listeners, but because it's like one of those that <laughs> you can't describe it. It's basically red shirts, but it's got this kind of peculiar pattern which fades into yellow going down the front of the shirt, uh, thereby providing continuity into the yellow shorts, and then you've got green socks. But it's, let's put it this way, though I want to be nice about NS kits, I find them a bit of a mess. Uh, any thoughts on those? <laughs> I love it. I, they're my favourite kits from this tournament. I've absolutely, <laughs> as soon as you put this together, I went through and I, at first I thought it was Slazenger because I looked and it's kind of got a, a, a lion sort of leopard motif or whatever that is. And I thought it was Slazenger. Uh, but then I read it was ANS. I, I really like it. I'm not so keen. There seems to be, uh, I love the fading pattern, but there also seems to be two sort of coloured blobs on the side panels of the shirts, which I'm not so keen on because it kind of distracts, but, other than that, I think they look ace, and especially the Doctor Congo one. That's ace. That is. So the that's the same template. I'm... Yes, it is. Yeah, exactly. But it's the fact that it's in uh, yellow and blue, which I just think looks ace. The only thing I'm not so keen on with that fading pattern is the way that they've truncated it. So rather than it being a natural fade from yellow into blue, they've kind of got like a border around it, so it looks like a giant tongue stuck on the front of the of the shirt in the shape of it because it's kind of a rounded top but it's i really like it i just yeah they are the winners of the kits oh i forgot to do my kit of the week didn't i my new feature that lasted one thing so anyway, yeah we're, we're playing a jingle for that as well yeah. <laughs> but um, see the thing so, is, sorry i was just going to say with these with these ans kits for the democratic republic of congo and guinea is the see the fading effect on the front of the shirt is done. I think it's using a sort of dotted kind of like a half tone. They call it half tone sort of pattern, but like sort of Ooh. newsprint when you hold yes. it up close to your eyes. But if they'd have done the whole shirt like that from top to bottom, it would have worked. If they'd have got rid of that completely and just left a, a, you know the rest of the shirt intact and largely plain, it would have worked. But instead, it's through this kind of arched window play school yeah. kind of motif on the front of the shirt. It, and you know, it looks like the 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 hole in the front of a dog kennel where the dog goes in. <laughs> See if we can come up with any more metaphors. I think you're getting the idea by now. Yeah. Um, and the, the worst part work. is on the on the guinea one. It's actually outlined in black stitching, so it kind of really becomes apparent. Um, mm. And also, what's not helping is on the guinea shirt. They've got guinea written across the front <laughs> in in bright green letters, which on, on a, a red yellow background. and red background really sort of stands out <laughs> they've also spelt guinea wrong but we'll let them get away with that no I'm only kidding it's <laughs> like they, are, they obviously spell it with two e's I, I assume yes. that's what it is yeah but no, I'm not joking obviously uh, but no the doc, Dr. Congo one sorry DR Congo I love it I mean there's their kind of kennel shape as we're now calling it uh, it's done in white stitching so it's not as apparent if they'd have done it in yellow it would have been much better but I love it. I think it's really interesting. I, I I do wish they hadn't done that that kennel shape on the shirt, but they did, and I'll just have to live with it. But other than that, I really like it. Well, I like the away shirt for DR Congo, uh, which is all white, and it's a different template, and it's it reminds me a bit of the old um, Kappa Combat series mm, in, yeah. in the sense that they've just used <laughs> stitching as the only sort of feature, really, but it's an all-white kit with blue stitching. 
and uh, it's obviously not the Kappa Combat range because it's not skin tight, as is seen on the picture we're looking at. It's, it's, a, it's basically um, an embroidered tent that I think this one particular player is wearing. But it's nice for all that. It's a, it's a bit more smarter and understated and stylish. I just think that the uh, the home kits for DR Congo and, and Guinea are a little bit poorly executed. That it looks the the pattern thing is a bit um, uh, amateurish in the way that it's been done, but. It, if it had been done by somebody else, it probably would have looked better. But anyway, there you go. And we have to come back to Cameroon because the kit that they had was essentially the same sort of template that uh, the other Puma teams were getting. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, was it this? This was I am right in thinking this was the tournament that they were hoping to wear that kit in, wasn't it? They didn't, and it was because it it was even it was already decided by the time the two thousand six World Cup came around that you you know you're definitely not wearing that. Um, in the end, they wore a standard kit, didn't they, I think? I do believe so, yes. Um, I would <laughs> have to check that, because was it the two... Uh, it was 2002 they wanted to wear the sleeveless one. I can't think if That's it was right. 2004 that Cameroon had this one. Let's have a look. Just, yeah. I'm just checking my order from Classic Football Shirts. <laughs> uh, 2004, yeah. Yeah, it was the 2004 oh. uh, season they had the, one, the onesie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they'd so, just given up trying to do that sort of thing by the time yeah. the 2006 World Cup came around. So we've got our facts slightly wrong there, or my my facts, but that's not going to stop us kind of you know, using this as the main topic. We're not going to re-record the podcast because we've found out no, two years No, we'll, we'll, we'll just wait for some other kit podcast to pick us up on it. Yeah, because it happens sometimes. Yeah, um, apparently. I wouldn't know. I never listened to other kit podcasts. <laughs> they're crap. They're really <laughs> rubbish, and this is the only good one. Well, that goes without saying. Um, what I was going to mention as well, I mean, um, there's one manufacturer we haven't mentioned yet. In fact, there's two, strictly speaking. But the one I was going to mention is Nike, or indeed Nike, whichever you prefer. Um, and Nike provided uh, two teams with kit. Uh, one of them was Morocco. Now, Morocco were wearing the same template that was seen in the 2006 World Cup, but worn by teams like Portugal, if I remember rightly, in that you had like this kind of stitching sort of piping if you like that was kind of going around the shoulders and down the sides of the shirt and then curved around at the bottom again and the main feature which i always think of with these kits is the number the squad number it was inside a circle on the front of the shirt which uh, i'm sure many of you will remember if you're listening in um and morocco had an all green version of that template for home home matches and away from home uh, a white version with green trim green uh, turnovers on the socks and such like so it was quite nice but I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite nike or nike template ever uh and the other team that was wearing nike was zambia and zambia again an all green kit but this was a different template and and again this one sort of subscribed to this less is more thing really not much detail on the home kit uh just a white flash on the cuffs uh, and that was about it maybe a little bit of trim on the on the sock turnovers and uh, the away kit was white with a bit of, um, I think it was black trim, I think. But anyway, quite nice kits, but fairly simplistic in their uh, execution. Um, so, I mean, I think that's everyone. Oh, we didn't mention the other, the final manufacturer that we haven't mentioned, uh, which is Legia, or is it Legia? I'm never quite sure of that. And they made the kit for Zimbabwe. Uh, I don't know where Legia come from. Do you know, Richard? I, think, I always think they're Polish for some reason. I, I was about to say, I think they're Polish, but I don't know if that's because of Legia Warsaw. 
Yeah, that's probably one of those kind of subliminal you, you things. You keep talking, and I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it you up. You do that, thank you, my man. Um, I, Zimbabwe's I actually think there might be Italian, yeah, or Spanish, know. or Portuguese, or something. I don't know, maybe. Um, sorry, Legia, if you're listening. Um, but Zimbabwe's home kit was yellow shirts, green shorts, green socks—a bit sort of South Africa-like, if you if you wish. And the away kit, which was, um, I'm trying to work out if it's the same template or not. I don't think it it might be um was all white but had green detailing and by detailing i'm really referring to these two big sort of arcs that go around uh, from the side of the shirts up to the shoulders and down the sleeves again um but the arcs sort of have a pointed end um and it's i don't know it's again it looks a little bit sort of cheap dare i say not not very finessed um but you know, I'm, I'm, even though I say that from time to time about different manufacturers and their kits, I, I'm all for having a bit of variety in a tournament like this because you can't have all Puma, Nike and Adidas. You need to have a bit of variety. So even though the, the designs aren't strong, they were at least offering something a bit different. So there you go. Any thoughts on Zimbabwe there, um, Rich? Zimbabwe, Bob. No. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a great fan of the Legia kits. Uh, I, I, I don't think I've ever really seen a Legia kit that I've liked, and I mm. don't like these. I think the home and the away ones are, are a different template because the flashes are slightly yeah. different than the next day. That's different. right. I, the home mm-hmm. one's actually not too bad. I don't like the, the away kit. I don't like the flash colour, but... Uh, I don't know. It's they're, they're, like you said, they just look a bit naff. Where did mm. I say I thought Legia were from? Did I say Italy? <laughs> yeah, that was one one of the many countries that you just said. Yeah, well, I, to be fair, I said I think it, I said I feel like they're from Poland because of Legia Warsaw, but I think they're from Italy, and I was right. So there you go. They're from Pompeii. Oh. Wow, there you go. We've learnt something today. Indeed. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it, except to sort of say that, um, you know, in this tournament, there were 26 different kits worn, um, and 10 of them were white, um, strange enough. A lot of the time, that, that's as a change colour. Uh, there were seven green kits, four yellow. Um, I'd, have, I'd have expected to see more yellow, really, given that it was sort of, you know, African countries sort of tend to favour yellow, green, red, but there we are. Three red kits, one orange and one black. So there's your sort of colour breakdowns. And then just confirmation of those uh, manufacturers. Eight for Puma, three Adidas kits. Nike, Nike had two, Airness two, and Legia one. Um, and interestingly, if you happen to like this sort of thing, five of the 16 competing teams only actually ever wore their home kit, including the hosts Egypt. Uh, but uh, Ivory Coast, Guinea, Cameroon, and Tunisia, we never saw their away kits in this tournament, just in case any of you happen to find that sort of thing interesting because we know some of you out there even though you, you may not admit it but uh, some of you do so quick, you quick question kit uh it's called a kiss then <laughs> quick quick question chris which yes. is your favorite oh yeah because i was yeah i was sort of as i was playing for time as you can tell kit um, of the tournament <laughs> um i would have to go with that um garner um, away kit, the, the all black one with the white stripe down the front of the socks it just looks really bold um, and uncompromising really um, close second would be probably Ivory Coast's orange home kit because that's nice and sort of again bold colour the uh, the Bill Shankly approach to kind of having a nice bold presence on the pitch by having an all one colour kit works very well in that case so those would be my two um, I, I would go for 
despite having said that I really like the Dr. Congo one, I, I would actually go for Cameroon's home shirt uh, and combination. I just think it's really nice. I, th- I like the mm. green and the red. They're kind of, they're not, they're, they're kind of odd shades of green and red. They're the kind of darker green and a kind of lighter red. And I, they sort of almost clash a lot. They're, they're kind of really contrasting, but I like that. Um, and I like the shadow print on it. So I'd actually go for that as my favourite, closely followed by the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo home shirt, which I really like. So there you go. Splendid. Um, as ever, listeners, we invite you to uh, uh, tell us your thoughts. Uh, if you happen to see pictures of any of these kits or if there are any that you particularly remember from previous experience, then let us know. And similarly, as all well, anything to do with uh, the kits we mentioned on the podcast, uh, we'll be giving you details at the end. Uh, on how you can contact us and so on and so forth. And uh, if I forgot to mention it earlier on, in the kit news section, all the kits we mentioned uh, will uh, will be providing links in the accompanying blog post on uh, thefootballattic.com. Just look for the blog post of Football Attic Kit Podcast 9. That's the one you're looking out for there. Anyway, that's uh, kit review, as they say, and um, that leads us into our kit off uh, section. Last week we asked you to uh, pick your favourite from the last three Sunderland away shirts. Uh, the first one being a sort of summer blue colour from, uh, I think it's 2014-15. Then we have the away shirt from last season, 2015-16, which was green. And then the current away shirt for Sunderland, which is white with a dark blue uh, sort of faded diagonal sash. Uh, we had a fair bit of uh, feedback uh, from you, uh, many of you listening in now, I'm sure, if not uh, followers on the website and so on, uh, about the kit-off vote. Um, Steve Halliwell, SJH on Twitter. Hello, Steve. He said, uh, quite like the sash version, but green is good because it's relatively rare in the football world and it's my favourite colour. So sound reasoning, you would say. Uh, a, a fine, upstanding chap, old friend, Jan Bilton, uh, who you regularly find on the Sound of Football podcast and a Sunderland supporter to boot. He said, tough one, but the white one edges it. Uh, none are as good as this season's third kit, though. Pink and purple, which uh, we did mention on the last podcast, but uh, I, I just got the impression that pink and purple shirt was um, not much liked. Maybe I was wrong. But anyway, thanks, Jan, for your comments. Gareth Davis on Twitter said, A, without a doubt, that's the blue one. B, is one of the most horrific shirts of the last 20 years. And he's talking about the green one, which is uh, strident views indeed, but thank you, Gareth. And uh, Russell Osborne said, C for me, I'm a sucker for a sash, which is almost uh, euphemistic in its uh, in its verbiage. But anyway, thank you, Russell. Anyway, we got 128 votes in the end, so thank you all of you for taking part that uh, that did so. Thank you for casting your votes. And Rich, how did it all go in the end? Uh, well, can I just say I got it wrong drastically. I got it wrong. So I, I, I said that everyone would go for C. Uh, mm, I said I'd like convinced. to be, but I was going to go for that. I thought everyone would go for C because it's a sash. But no, we were wrong. Uh, shirt yes. A, which is the blue one, was overwhelmingly the victor with fifty-seven uh, percent of the vote. Unless you're you're just rehashing the figures now, aren't you? I'm, on, what, I'm, I just happened? realised the figures. Are, oh, hang on, the maths don't Listen. add up, do they? <laughs> they don't add up. I'm, there's something I've got wrong there. Hang on, oh, I think, hang on. I think that might be Keep the heading. actual number of votes. Uh, so anyway, um, that Chris has not definitely got the figures wrong. So um, it's a steward's inquiry at the moment. I'm assuming hang the on. actual, like you know, the, the the ranking is still correct. So the ranking uh, is shirt, correct. Shirt A was the winner uh, with a number of the votes. Um, <laughs> 
Shirt B came in second, uh, not far behind, actually. And the shirt, shirt C, the sash one, which I thought would win it, came way behind the other two. Like a, a very, very poor third. So, um, Hang on. yes. Bit I'm of a surprise. Oh, 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 nearly there. Uh, and, and anyway, look at the weather. Isn't it nice outside? Oh, look at that. Oh, it's a bit chilly these days. Oh, I'll tell there you what. Bre- Brexit, Trump, and all that. Hooray! <laughs> As I was right. saying... <laughs> So actually, that the the final percentages were shirt A forty five percent, shirt C thirty five percent, and shirt B with only twenty five percent. Sorry, twenty percent. That's just twenty no, percent. My God, this is <sighs> as bad as FIFA. I do apologise. I just like to just confirm the final. <laughs> I, I meant to somehow put the wrong numbers on our little sort of uh, crib sheet here. Just to confirm, shirt A, the blue one. Uh, 45% of the vote, yes. Uh, shirt C, which is the current away shirt, that got 35%, and the green shirt was third with 20%. Don't be put off, listeners. We, we want you yeah. to take part in the next one. And, yeah. um, and as we'll I try not to make that one up. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, kidding. Uh, as I said at the start of the podcast, it's a topical one in many ways this week, because we, I was thinking, you know, all this hoo-ha about the, uh, Scotland change shirt in pink. Um, you know, how popular is it? And I suddenly thought, well, hang on a sec. Many, many teams down the years have actually worn pink shirts, although you may not have seen them too often. Certainly uh, in continental Europe, you may have seen them a bit more often. So what we've got for you this time around are three pink shirts worn by different teams. But this, uh, the, the, the rub on this one is that they all uh, come from the 1970s and 80s. So they're not modern pink shirts. Uh, there are uh, pink shirts of a certain age. So what are the three options that we've got for the listeners this time, Rich? We've got shirt A is Hamburg's Away from 76 to 77, as worn by the be-permed Kevin Hegan, um, which is a plain white, uh, sorry, plain white, plain pink shirt with a giant winged white collar, which seemed to be about three miles apart on the neck. Um, and then the pink, uh, sorry, the white wording of Hitachi. Um, next, we have a Gorgeous shirt. I mean, I'm not influencing you in any way, but it is a gorgeous shirt. Palermo's from it's their home shirt because obviously Palermo wear pink from '77 to '78, which is a white. I've said it again, a white shirt, a pink, pink shirt, pink, definitely pink, and it has a black V-neck on it. I think it's actually got a winged collar on it as well, mm. but also yeah. a black trim which runs all the way like a shoulder panel, which goes all the way down the sleeves, and it looks really ace. Um, mm. And in last place, we have, and, and Chris said he'd never seen this before, and I, I, basically I only saw this because it was in Shoot Magazine years ago. It's the Juventus Away from 87 to 88. And the anecdote behind this in, in me having seen it was that Shoot Magazine just randomly one week had a picture of this, of Ian Rush wearing this shirt, saying... Uh, something like Ian Rush, pretty in pink, or something like that, you know. And in it, the and pink. <laughs> in the pink, yeah. And it was literally nothing, nothing else, no explanation. Like, and obviously, before the days where you had Wikipedia or the internet and Google, you couldn't just nip down your local library and, and you know, look up something on the Wikipedia Encyclopedia Britannica. You know, you had to, you had no idea. So I had no idea this was their away kit. Um, and it, it didn't give any context. It didn't say, this is Juventus Awake. It was just like, in the pink. You know, but Juventus <laughs> are wearing pink. And it was like, 
Right, okay, so you're going to explain why or, or anything like that? It was like, no, we're just going to tell you they're wearing pink. So I didn't know if they were supposed to be wearing pink or if Ian Rush had worn this shirt, you know, just because he fancied it or what. So it was, and it was only when Chris was researching this day, and obviously in subsequent years, that it was just that that was their away shirt. So, And it's basically a pink shirt with a weird neck on it, which seems to be typical Juventus, with a massive wing collar on it as well. So it's a choice of wing collars this week, an Ariston in black. And that particular shirt that he's wearing has got mud all over it, but I don't think that's part of the design. Yeah, it's um, it was very kind of retro in a sort of vintage retro uh, style. That one, I think that, that uh, Juventus wore in eighty seven, eighty eight. It's a uh, nice. You can see. I mean, it's almost like they've actually taken a shirt out of a museum from like the nineteen twenties or something, and and just kind of put a sponsor logo on the front, and away but- you go. But the funny thing is, is that as we've seen with a lot of Juventus um, shirts from the sort of mid to late 80s, is that that wasn't a deliberate retro look. That was just the look <laughs> of their shirts at the time, because they had very old-fashioned looking shirts. Yes. Oh, yeah. There there, there, there's, and that's a Kappa kit, by the way. That's a Kappa shirt, that one. Um, the the Paloma one, we're not sure about. And the shirt, the shirt A, the Hamburg one, I think may have been made by the aforementioned Erima. Uh, although I'm not sure, we'll see if we can confirm that. But anyway, that's not really the important detail. But uh, we just want you to pick the one that you like the look of most. Three um, uh, old pink shirts. <laughs> can't can't sell it any more excitingly than that, really. But um, <laughs> basically, if you go to our website, and again, as I say, look for the post accompanying uh, Football Attic Kit Podcast number nine. Uh, or alternatively, if you uh, find us on Twitter... Um, on our profile page, you'll find the voting buttons are all pinned to the top of that page as well. We invite you to vote for the one you like best, and we'll tell you the result when we add up all the votes on the next podcast in about a fortnight's time, hopefully. So uh, thank you for your involvement in that. Uh, before we go, we have um, feedback and pointers, uh, as ever. Um, we got a great response from the last podcast, so thank you again for those of you that uh, got in touch with us. Um, we were talking about FA Cup final kits of the 80s, uh, Rich, and, um, well, first of all, we were asking people to pick their favourite combination, which final they liked in terms of the kits that were in them, and a uh, previous guest on the podcast, Andy Rockles, said that um, he thought the 1985 final had the best set of shirts. Is that the one you went for? I can't remember which one you went for. In the no, I, I went for 86, uh, 86. which was uh, Liverpool right. and Everton. Yeah, Um he said he likes the sort of United Adidas sort of thing where they were going with the badge in the middle of the shirt, which is what Tottenham had. Andy is a Tottenham supporter, after all. He knows about these things, and he said that Tottenham had that with Lecoq Sportif from August 1980, so he likes uh, those shirts for that reason. Uh, he said regarding the 1987 final, Coventry caused us all sorts of problems that season. He said uh, Tottenham were even forced to wear yellow Coventry away shirts at Highfield Road in the league. I don't know if you were aware of that one. I, I didn't remember it at the time, um, probably because I wasn't uh, following football till probably around about later in the season. But that doesn't surprise me because obviously we had white and darkish blue stripes and Tottenham's home kit would have been white and their away kit at the time was navy. Mm. And in fact, their third kit was sky blue. So they wouldn't have been able to wear any of those. So yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. That's quite funny, actually. Uh, good, good. Yeah. Glad we caused you problems. And then we caused you problems by winning the FA Cup and beating you because we won it and you didn't. You lost. Losers. We must move on. Yes. Um, he also he also um, gives us some uh, excellent clarification, actually, on the 
other thing that we mentioned on the last podcast about that 87 Cup final, whereby some of the Tottenham shirts had Holston uh, sponsor logos on the front and some didn't. He says um, uh, the Cup final blunder came about after a set of youth team shirts, no alcohol sponsors allowed on those, as you can appreciate, were wrongly packed for Wembley. So that's why some players ended up with those and others not. There must be some big youth players if they were, uh, maybe they were sort of big enough for Paul Allen or somebody like that. Speaking uh, of speaking of youth, actually, uh, Coventry also won the FA Youth Cup that year. Just so. <laughs> did they? They did, yeah. That's um, that's very nearly interesting. Well done. Um, <laughs> now then, we were talking about the uh, 1980 FA Cup final as well, and I was saying, well, we were discussing actually, were we, Rich, about the fact that both teams were wearing their away kit, and why would that be? Well, yeah. there seems to be two lines of thought on this. Um, our friend Dennis Hurley, who's at Museum of Jerseys, amongst other things, on uh, on Twitter, he says that according to the book The Arsenal Shirt, which is by James Elkin and Simon Shakeshaft, West Ham were the home team, but they chose white, possibly because of the heat. It was quite a sunny, warm day on that cup final day. He said, so that created a shorts clash with Arsenal's home kit, because Arsenal's home kit had white shorts as well. Um, and Arsenal didn't want to wear their red shorts, which they, I think they did wear once or twice, uh, if I understand it correctly. So Arsenal went with their away kit, and that's why both teams uh, wore their away kit. So he thinks, however, if you follow at the Arsenal shirt, ironically, on Twitter, um, the comment came straight back during the week um, that the exact same thing was picked up on the pod. I think that might be the pod, uh, the design football pod where they were talking about Arsenal shirts, which I'll tell you about in a moment. Uh, he said um, West Ham won their semi-final in a white kit, which was against Everton. And so when they won the coin toss for the kits in the final, they thought, well, we'll go with the lucky white strip, which in some ways sounds more plausible to me. So so, so sure. basically we've got Dennis saying that according to the book, the Arsenal shirt, that's one reason. And then the Arsenal shirt, the Arsenal creator shirts. of the book itself, says something <laughs> completely different. Make up your mind, guys. Come on. Mm. Get know. some reliable information there. Get together on these things, you know, yeah. a coordinated response. Yeah. Is this um, throwing the whole credibility of that book into, you know, question? <laughs> <laughs> um, at Scottish Kits, who we also mentioned on the last podcast, said um, best kit matchup of an FA Cup final in the 1980s is 1985. Again, Man United versus Everton. Um, he said both kits now synonymous with that Cup final. So another vote for 85. Now, I uh, I would actually say actually hang on let me just check which was the eighty five one was that the one with Everton's Man with U, the, Everton. the was it Man which, U, which was Everton's was yeah and what was Everton's did they have the Vickers collar thing going I'm on I'm trying to think one? actually because I, I just need to check that because I was about to make a point but then realised I might be talking about the wrong one so excuse me waffle Chris waffle okay uh, fair enough well we'll come back to that um, we were talking about two colour collars as well on the last podcast uh, as brought up by Austin Long. And we were talking about the Mainz and Hoffenheim kits that were made by Macron. Uh, again, Dennis Hurley um, corrected us and uh, informed us that uh, Bologna's away shirt this season has the same style of collar. And he says that uh, Feyenoord and Blackburn did something similar on their away kits a few years ago. And I also added in that um, QPR did it. Um, as I said on a few podcasts back, we were talking about the 76 77 first division season and QPR had very briefly a home and away shirt which both had a sort of two colour collar so there you go thank you Dennis for giving us that information uh, right. what have you found uh, out uh, right it's what I thought so the, the 
um, shirt they wore in that in the final was the one with the um, the white V on it, and it was yeah. just his point where he says both kits are now synonymous with that cup final. Now I would have said the Everton kit is more synonymous with the European Cup winners. Ah, uh, yes, that's true. Because that, I would have thought, was probably more of a, a thing for Everton. Because that's when I yeah. see that shirt, that's what I picture rather than that FA Cup. But I agree. I don't know. It would be interesting to hear from Everton fans on on that thought. Hmm. Yes, there you go. Um, but uh, thank you, all of you, for, for your feedback on those points from the last podcast. Always great to get uh, your views and to learn a few things, frankly. Um, just by way of pointers, we just uh, wanted to tell you that uh, there's another two podcasts from Design Football, which uh, you are strongly urged to listen to and catch up with. Uh, basically, Jay um, recorded two podcasts. Number 19, episode 19, was all about Arsenal shirts with Dennis Hurley. That's the one that I was just uh, referring to, um, and that's very good. And episode 20 is with uh, is uh, uh, Jay talking to Les Motherby. Uh, about Hull City shirts, and they're both excellent listens. Give them a try. You'll find them at acast.com forward slash the design football podcast. And uh, there you can catch all the design football podcasts, not just those two. Uh, so uh, there you go. Well worth a listen, as I say. And if, now then. If, J- if Jay is anything to go by, they were recorded about three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. You mustn't get bitchy. No, that's their job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before we sink too far into bitchiness, um, just to just to give you the contact details as ever, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, first of all, we urge you to go to our website, which is www.thefootballattic.com. You can download our podcasts from there and uh, leave comments and stuff like that. Uh, so that's the web that's the website. On Twitter, we are at twitter.com forward slash footballattic. Just football attic on facebook.com. It's forward slash the football attic. Okay. Hope that makes sense. So uh, use any of those medium mediums if you like just to get in touch with us, ask us uh, about anything that we discussed in the podcast, or if you've got any ideas for things we should discuss on future podcasts as well, uh, do drop us a line. And uh, also you can download our podcast on iTunes as well. Um, that I reckon is just about that. Uh, Rich, any uh, any other business? That's the point on the agenda we've reached. Uh, I was just about to say I think the plural of medium is media, but you know, so medium mediums. Yeah. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> but no, nothing nothing kit related. No, I no, haven't just... actually bought. I haven't bought any recently. Oh, apart from I bought a Germany 2014 kit from the Mark Lund page again. The MECP two. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, again, go and check that out because there's lots of bargain shirts on there and obviously it's for a good cause. So, Yep, we provided the link on the last, uh, on the blog post that accompanies uh, FA Kit Pod number eight. So we'll put that on the blog post for number nine as well. So, uh, yeah, get along and have a look at that. But uh, that is it for now. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Thank you for your company and thank you, Rich, for yours. Uh, we will join all of you again in about a fortnight's time for episode number 10. But until then, from myself and from Rich Johnson, it's goodbye to you all. Goodbye. <laughs>